Welcome to another episode of the Coach's Main Event Marathon. I'm your host, Manpreet, and this week we're going over a big UFC 274 card headlined by two title fights. In the main event, we got Charles Oliveira defending his lightweight strap against Justin Gaethje, and then in the co-main event, we got Rose Namajunas trying to avenge her first ever loss in the UFC against Carlos Esparza, and she's hoping to defend her strawweight title. But first, before we get into the breakdowns with the three coaches that we have for you, let's go over the standings. Started from the bottom, now we hear Tyson Chartier jumps from 6th place all the way up to 1st after cashing on Aljamain Sterling. That nets him 350 bucks, which digs him out of the hole and now he's at a total of $150. In 2nd place, we got Eric Nixick cashing on Mackenzie Dern at a sharp uh, pick'em line and she gives him $90.91. That puts him up at $30.91 like I said in 2nd place. Cody Donovan falls from the top after swinging for the fences by trying to bet on Chan Sung Yung that uh, cost him $100 there and now brings his total profit down to $3.03. James Krause whiffs on Vince Pichel and that now brings him down to $2.50 but he's still in the green. And then unfortunately the last two coaches we have here in the red Santino DeFranco whiffs on his guy Korean Zombie now he's down to negative $148.72 whereas my guy Mark Montoya also whiffs on Gilbert Burns and now he's down $160. Thankfully there's still plenty of show to go there's still plenty of year to go remember this contest runs until the end of the year so I'm very intrigued to see how these rankings really start to shake up uh, as each pay-per-view passes by. This week we're going to be having James Krause Cody Donovan and Tyson Chartier all on to help me break down the main event and co-main event of UFC 274. And then on the back end of the show, I'll reveal all six coaches' picks from the main card for the contest. So without further ado, let's get into the breakdowns. Kicking the show off, we got my guy James Krause from Glory MMA down there in Lee Summit, Missouri. James, what's going on, my brother? Uh, not much. Just uh, finished up practice, getting... Uh getting my my day started hell yeah hell yeah uh last time around ufc 273 you fell short with my guy uh vince michelle over there who wasn't able to overcome mark madsen that drops you down now into fourth place uh, but you're still the profit you're still in the green which is the main thing that matters here uh what did you make of vince michelle's performance against madsen there madsen came in with a pretty damn good game plan and his wrestling ended up prevailing that night yeah, I mean the fight. The fight uh, went a lot like I thought it would, minus the third round. You know, I thought I thought uh, Pichel would would start to pick up in the in the later rounds, and he did. You know, just couldn't stop the takedown. Uh, that's how the fight goes. You know what I mean? That's how it goes sometimes. It's just uh, uh, yeah, it makes it it makes it it makes it tough that we're only doing one pick on the main card, and it's only you know what I mean. Like it's it it doesn't make it easy. So you got to be very selective on how you pick stuff. So. Plays that I would like, for example, this week I really like Chandler, but there's no point in playing him because he's, you know what I mean. Like obviously the, the the point here is to beat the other coach, so you gotta try to find some value somewhere, and it's it's not an easy game to play. 
No, for sure. Uh, and I know that Pichelle was a very popular pick amongst a lot of uh, analysts as well. Guys that do what I do is, as well. They thought the same thing as you. They thought he'd be able to pick it up later. The fight went. But uh, credit to Mark Madsen for you know using his gas tank efficiently over the 15 minutes and then being able to secure that takedown in the third round to grind out Vince in that third round. But luckily, there's another pay-per-view event ahead of us here, James. And we got another card to look forward to. So we'll start off with breaking down the main event. Talk about... A freaking firefight. Yeah. We got Charles Oliveira defending his lightweight trap going up against the always entertaining Justin Gaethje. In yeah. terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 170 for Charles Oliveira, plus 150 the return on Justin Gaethje. What are your thoughts for this matchup, man? Charles is finally evolving into the fighter that a lot of people expected him to be over his 12 fight, or sorry, his 12-year UFC career. But Justin Gaethje, you can never count the man out. And I'm kind of surprised that the odds are, odds are this wide at this point in time. What are your thoughts about this match, uh, matchup? Yeah, I think from, from if we're talking about from a stylistic matchup, uh, we'll, I, mean, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the matchup and then I'll, we'll talk about from a betting perspective. But stylistically, I think this fight's going to be one-way traffic on, on Justin Gaethje's end until it's not. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, I, I think Gaethje is a – I think he's a better striker. I think he's going to – I think it, it's the same fight as the Chandler fight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that Chandler will – you know, just like Chandler did, I thought he was having more of the moments than Oliveira was until he wasn't. You know, and I think that's going to be similar. Uh, similar what we'll see here is – I do think Gaethje is going to be the one swinging the hammer until he's not, if that's the, if that's the case, you know, from a betting perspective, I feel like this is one of the easiest fights on the card to bet on. You go, you go, uh, Oliveira by submission and then you go, uh, Gaethje by knockout and you're going to get plus money on both sides. I, I don't, I don't see this fight going to the distance. If you don't want to play Gaethje by knockout, go Gaethje money line. You're still going to get plus money there. I don't see Charles winning any other way other than, other than submission. I mean, can he knock him out? Yeah, yeah, I guess he can, but it's unlikely, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that would that would be how I'm gonna play it. Uh, you know, Oliveira get get the plus money on the Oliveira side by sub, and then you you can go money line Gaethje or you can go knockout Gaethje. I don't see this fight going the distance either way though. I do like the violence bet as well, and I'm glad that you kind of brought that up in a, in a way here with uh, Charles Oliveira over his last 16 fights, which dates back all the way to 2015. Only one fight has gone over the two and a half round mark, and that was that fight against Tony Ferguson where he used his superior jiu-jitsu to kind of keep Tony Ferguson on his back for the majority of that fight. But more often than not, Oliveira goes out there and either finds the finish or gets finished himself. But one thing that was very important and an improvement that we've been seeing in Charles over his last several fights is... You know, people used to, you know, say that he was a quitter. People that saw that, you know, once he faced adversity, he would fold over and a lot of guys would be able to get him out of there. But in his last couple of fights, man, the Michael Chandler fight, he gets dropped, rocked early, and that fight comes back and wins in the second round. Dustin Poirier, the last fight back in December, gets hurt in that first round, rallies back in the second and finishes Dustin in the third. Like, what do you attest that to for Charles, right? Like, it's tough for a guy who's been known to be a quitter to finally put it all together, mesh his entire game together and have that will to get through adversity and, and end up becoming the champion, right? What, what do you kind of attest that to for Charles? Uh, experience and confidence, you know, I think beating, beating some of these top guys, like if you really looked at his career, he's really done a good job of like stair-stepping, you know what I mean? It hasn't been like these huge, I, th I think before early in his career, when he faced those big jumps is when you saw the, you know, the, the mental lapses come out. 
but he's done a good job of kind of like stair stepping slowly. You know, he'll he'll beat this guy and then he'll go up and then beat this guy and then he'll go up and then beat this guy. And like slowly over time, you start to build confidence. Like, hey, I am this good. I I can weather this storm. I can make it through this and I can come out on top. And I you know I think that's just a and obviously his experience. You know, in the gym in fights, he's fought the high level guys. He's been at the high level. You know, he's probably realizing these guys are just mortal men you know what I mean like they're they're normal people they're not uh you know and I do feel like you see a lot of these younger guys come in and they fight the name you know what I mean they fight uh the name Dustin Poirier the name Justin Gaethje and you know these guys are just dudes you know what I mean they're normal men now they're damn good at fighting don't get me wrong but so is he you know and he's dangerous and he's and he's very good and uh he probably has some of the if not the best jujitsu in MMA I mean he's he's his jujitsu is incredible and he doesn't have to take you down to, to sub you either. You know, I like that. I like that about him a lot. And uh, I would say confidence and experience, though, to answer your question. And last thing, stylistically speaking, in terms of uh, this matchup, Justin Gaethje, known for those hellacious leg kicks, right? He likes to go out there and really batter the lead leg of his opponents and try to open up with his hands after that. Charles Oliveira seems to be really rounding out his Moyes high game. It seems like he could be prepared for that type of approach from Gaethje. But what do you think about that dynamic in this fight, the leg kicking to be specific? Well, he'd be crazy not to come in prepared for that. You know what I mean? Uh, man, if I'm Gaethje or if I'm Gaethje's coach, I'd... I would say keep kicking, even if he checks, you know what I mean? Get that, get that lead leg up, get him on one foot, get him, you know, if I can get a fighter on one leg, that's a damn good place to be in a fist fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like hopping around on one leg, not having, not having balance, even if they're balanced, like there's not a lot of power. You can't take a lot of good shots on one leg. There's not a lot somebody can do other than be defensively sound on one leg. So if I'm Gaethje's coach, which, you know, I, I'm sure I can't imagine Trevor Whitman looking at Justin Gaethje and go, you know, let's take it easy on these legs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I can't imagine that, you know, like I could be wrong, you know, uh, Whitman's he's the, he's the man, but I, I, I just can't imagine anybody telling Gaethje to ease up on the kicks on this one. Uh, it's not like people have caught his kicks in the past. They're extremely fast, no load. Um, and he likes to throw them inside too, inside, outside. They're, they're set up well. They're really hard to catch. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's not something that's typically happened in the past. Uh, like I said, I can't imagine Whitman and, and Gaethje, have, you know, in a, in a round table, them talking about easing up on the leg kicks. I, you know, I just can't. I can't For imagine. Sure. Uh, and, and just lastly, speaking about Charles Oliveira's submission prowess, he does have the UFC record right now at 15 submission victories in the UFC, which is absolutely crazy. Damian Mayan, uh, second place with 11. So he's actually got a, a solid uh, yeah. lead over second place there. And maybe he adds to it this weekend. So official prediction for that fight. Who are you going with? I'm going to pick Gaethje. I'm going I'm I'm to yeah. pick Gaethje. Yeah, perfect. And uh, the one spot that I like from a betting perspective as well, the under two and a half. It, it you just keep going back to the well for Charles Oliveira. Was it two and a half? I thought it was one and a half. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of sports books I have at two and a half as well, or sitting around minus one fifty. I love that spot. I believe the under one and a half is about plus one fifty, plus one sixty, and it's a little bit dicey, right? Seven and a half minutes. It might take a little bit of time for these guys to finally start to open up. But I believe once they start to open up, one of these guys is going to find the finish. But yeah, great pick on Gaethje. Let's see if he can finally get his hands on that undisputed gold here. All right. Let's get to the co-main event now, a rematch, a very interesting matchup. Uh, Rose Namajunas coming in as the champion, going up against Carla Esparza. Now, the first time they were scheduled, which was way back in 2014, December 2014, it was a pick-em line. 
if people remember, they were coming off the Ultimate Fighter season 20, and uh, the, the the finals for that was to determine who was going to be the first ever strawweight champion. That night, Carla Esparza got her hand raised after putting on a decent grappling onslaught, eventually finding that third-round submission victory via rear naked choke. They've both gone through hell and, uh, you know, brimstone over the last several years. Uh, Rose Namajunas tremendously improving her game since that time, which has allowed her to be a minus 210 favorite now going up against Carla Esparza, who comes in at plus 175. Carla Esparza over the last several fights has been very much underrated. Not a lot of people giving her her flowers, right? She has probably some of the best grappling in that uh, in that division outside of Tatiana Suarez, who obviously put on a solid performance against her as well. And man, it hurts me to say the name Tatiana Suarez because it's given me Cain Velasquez flashbacks because he was really not able to, you know, make the most of his prime years because he kept dealing with injuries. Same thing is happening with Tatiana Suarez as well. But knock on wood, hopefully she's able to get back into the cage and, uh, you know, really get into that contention, uh, a contender spot. But getting back to this fight with Carlos Esparza and Rose Namajunas, Wide odds here for Rose Namajunas, right? Two to one favorite. Carlos Barza coming in as a plus one seventy five dog. Like I said, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Do you think Rose has made enough improvements to you know overcome what Carlos Barza brings to the table with their wrestling? Well, golly, it's hard to argue with the, with with Rose's lineup, right? Like, I mean, she's fought the who's who uh, in that division. Uh, when I look at when I look at fights, I look at especially from a betting perspective, I look at. Uh, path to victory and uh, Rose has done really well against Wei Li. She's done really well against uh, Joanna. She's done really well against the elites in the division. The thing about that is, is, there, is those elites are all, uh, they're all strikers. You know what I mean? So uh, if you look at who's given Rose the most problems, I would say that's Jessica Andrade from a stylistic matchup standpoint. Um, and, and Carla, I believe is a better wrestler than Andrade. I think Carla's kind of being disrespected on this line. I think this is going to be a much closer fight. And, uh, I, I've seen Carla confidently asking for this fight now over the course of a year. And I, I just would not be surprised at all if she shocks a lot of people on Saturday night. I think she's incredible. I think she's got very, very good, uh, folk style wrestling, double legs, single legs. And, uh, I think she's a tough matchup for Rose. I really do. Now, if you said, Hey, Rose goes out and dominates Carla Esparza, I wouldn't be shocked. But if you went out and said, hey, Carla uh, pointed her way to a decision, wrestled her, wrestled Rose, I would not be shocked either. Uh, one thing that I wanted to get your perspective on is, uh, do you recall the fight of your, of your own where you were fighting at altitude? There's the one that comes off the, the top of your head, Mexico City, Denver, um, you know, like, Albuquerque, that you fight yourself. I don't think I've ever fought at elevation. I've trained at elevation a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's one fight that comes to mind that a lot of people are kind of banging on for in this fight, particularly is Carlos Esparza against Alexa Grasso, which took place at Mexico city. And Carla won the first two rounds with her takedowns. Third round, she really looked gas, right? She it's uncharacteristic of her to look that gassed. And, you know, she nearly got finished by Alexa Grasso, but she was able to tough it out, make it to the judges scorecards and get her hand raised. But like when you see her fight other opponents and go the full 15 minutes, she's able to implement that grappling pretty effectively, you know, landing the takedowns when she needs to, landing her shots from the uh, from on top to make sure that the referee doesn't stand them up from inactivity or anything like that. Uh, I, I wanted to just get a fighter's perspective in terms of what, what it feels like to fight at elevation, but maybe training at elevation oh, yeah. is, is similar. What, what, what can you give in terms of that type of insight? 
Well, I do my training camps in Colorado. So it's, it's, I don't know what the elevation is in Phoenix. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I'm sure it's decently enough. Uh, but it's for me, I, I've gotten different reactions every time, you know, uh, like there's, there's altitude sickness is a real thing. Like where for me, it's always messed up my sleep. Like I can never like fall asleep, fall asleep, hit that like rim sleep. It's just like, you're in this half awake, half asleep, like purgatory and it's terrible. And like, you realize you're in it and you can't do anything about it. It's awful. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it just feels like people like suck the energy out of your arms. You know what I mean? Out of your muscles. Like, uh, it's, it's hard to explain. It's just like you get, it's not a, people think it's like a wind thing and it's not, it's like your muscles just don't fire how they're supposed to, you know, they're not getting the oxygen they need. And like, imagine if you're like super tired and all you want to do is take this, like that. And it's like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you just can't get that big breath that you need. So uh, I guess imagine like doing a 40 yard dash and then trying to catch your breath through a a straw. That's an extreme Mm -hmm. example. It's just, it's really tough to like recover unless you're really used to it. And uh, that, that would be the best perspective I have on that, but it can, it messes with your muscles your sleep, uh, just depends, you know, it doesn't really affect me as much as it used to, but when I first started going out there, man, it was miserable. The first couple of times I went out there. Yeah. I just, I just wanted you to kind of put it into perspective for viewers that don't, aren't really familiar with that aspect of when people or fighters compete at elevation, not saying that Phoenix is at elevation or anything like that, but I just see a lot of takes out there about them shitting on uh, Carlos cardio from the Alexa Grosso fighter. But I'm like, guys, come on. Like you got to take that into perspective because that's very uncharacteristic of her. And she should probably be able to go out there and have a solid five rounds of grappling if she needs to. 10 fights where she's got incredible cardio. You know what I mean? Exactly. we're, We're nitpicking here at that point, in my opinion. I agree, I agree. So uh, the last time around that we saw Rose Namajunas, she took a split decision victory over uh, Wiley Zhang in a five-round fight. Uh, that's a fight where Wiley actually landed five takedowns. And that's, that was also yes. that was also the, uh, the, the, the the infamous training camp of Wiley Zhang where she went down there to fight ready, training with Henry Suhuro and Eddie Cha and those guys down there. Um, and, and also uh, coaches main event marathon alumni, Mr. Santiago DeFranco as well. But what, is there anything you took from that fight in specific? Like, do you yeah. remember much of that fight? And yeah, how, how do you think it impacts this one? Whaley was landing takedowns. I mean, when she shot, I felt like she was getting them, you know? Uh, and and a lot of those were coming from the body lock. Carla's going to wrestle on the legs. That's the thing that people, that to me, it's different. Like, what type of wrestler are you? Like, do you wrestle on the fence? Are you a body locker? Are you a folk style wrestler? Like, Carla's a really good folk style wrestler. Like, I think Rose's takedown defense has improved much on the fence, but like and Carla's going to be shooting open mat doubles and singles. Yeah. Like that's where I want to see. And Wei Lee was taking her down in the open mat. If you put Wei Lee and Carla in a, in wrestling shoes and a singlet, Carla runs a, 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 a seminar on her, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I think that's where the, where there's going to be tough. Now, Rose has got incre- – I'm not trying to shit on Rose by any means. So I think she's incredible. I just think stylistically I'm interested to see how this plays out because one of the things that I, I think will give Carla problems is Rose, her range management is ex- – like she does not get enough credit for this. Her, her her ability to control range is incredible. And like that's where she was able to you know flip up that left high that knocked Whaley out in the first fight. Uh, so it's always a thing to a thing to a thing to a thing. But the, the wrestling of Carla is different. And Whaley was able to get takedowns on, in my opinion, a place that Rose is better at defending at than she is the double singles, the folk style, you know, what you see in college wrestling. 
high school wrestling. That's where Carla is going to shine. And she, I'm sure that Trevor's got her prepared for that. You know what I mean? But like, that's where I'm anxious to see is like, is she going to be able to stop those, those takedowns? You know, that's, that's what I'm anxious of. There's a vast amount of improvement you can see from watching that first Carla Rose fight to going to watch Rose versus Yuani and Jacek. Number yeah. one, especially like, like you said, the distance management, very, very impressive. And I oh, think that's something. Same. Yeah. It's, I can't even, I can't even compare the two. You watch Carla, she's doing the same thing too. Her improvements yeah. shot up as well. The, the thing that I think she's getting smart, her wrestling is smarter now. Like she's, she is stealing rounds now rather than wrestling as early. She's starting to bank rounds in like the last 90 seconds, two minutes. She's banking those rounds, stealing the rounds with those rather than wrestling hard early and getting tired from those. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's gotten a lot smarter in, in her ability to, 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 to plan a fight out, to pace a fight, when to shoot, when not to shoot, when to rest, when not to rest. She's gotten way smarter. I'll be asking for your prediction in a second here, but I actually want your thoughts on the total here, which currently sits at uh, four and a half. Uh, and the over four and a half is plus 135, under four and a half is minus 165. So it's favored that the fight finishes inside the distance. Do you agree with that? I don't. I no. Don't. Um, if there's a finish, it'll be on the Rose side. Uh, by knockout, probably. But Carla's durable, man. She's not a, like... In the past, she's had problems with volume, right? Like, Joanna's given her problems with volume. Rose isn't, like, a big volume puncher. You know, she's a, she's a sharp puncher. She's very accurate. But, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, no. But, like, I don't I – don't, if gun to my head, I would say no. I, I think this fight goes the distance. Yeah, since being in the UFC, uh, Carla's only been finished twice. Obviously, the first time was when she lost the belt way back in March of 2015, getting uh, uh, TKO'd by Ioana. I believe that was a standing TKO as well. And then Tatiana Suarez finished her with 30 seconds left in their fight via ground and pound. But Tatiana Suarez is just a different monster. I think monster. Tatiana would do the same thing to Rose. I, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm. It, it hurts me, like I said, to say the name Tatiana because of what she's missing out on as being like one of the biggest stars in MMA right now with her dominant style. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in regards to this fight, let's get your final prediction. Who are you going with? You went with the underdog in the uh, the the main event. Are you going with the underdog once again here uh, for the co-main event? I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to. Uh, I feel like. Going back to the main event, I feel like that fight should be more of a pick 'em fight. To be honest with you, I agree. I, I think that should be a pick 'em fight. Uh, and 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 if if Charles was was plus one forty, I would probably lean towards Charles too. You know, I think that's a pick 'em fight. I think they got the lines off, so I'm going to take the dog in that one. Um, this one, I don't know if I don't know if I don't think the line is necessarily off. I just feel like stylistically we haven't seen Rose compete against this style in a yeah. long time, you know? And uh, it's mainly strikers, Joanna, yeah. Jessica, Wiley, and she's rematched all of them, right? This is, I think going to be yeah. the fourth fighter she's rematched inside the UFC, which is crazy. Yeah. So I think, I think the stylistically she's shown to have issues with, with the style in the past. <laughs> and, and uh, I don't want to say the lines off because Rose has beat some incredible elites, you know, the elites, not the good, the elites of that division, but stylistically they are not the same as, as, as Carla. I just have a weird feeling that Carla is going to shock everybody on Saturday. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's just a hunch, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Rose, uh, if Rose beat her, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Carla beat her, but I, I just have a weird feeling that, 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 Carla's going to give her some issues. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm going to rock with Carla. I think, I think she's going to cause some, some, some problems, some drama in there. And uh, even if she doesn't win, I do think I'll say this, I'll end on this. 
I think that Rose is going to be a lot easier to fight after this fight. If that makes Interesting. sense. Like, uh, I think, like, you think that color shows the blueprint. I think there's going to be a blueprint. Win, lose, or draw. I think there will be a blueprint laid here. I, I feel like I'm disrespecting Rose, and that's not what I'm getting at. I just, <laughs> I want to see. I think she has trouble defending the folk style shot, double singles. Carla's really good at that. One of the best in the division. I think that there's going to be some chinks in the armor here. Uh, unless I can listen, Rose has made me look stupid a few times already. So I, she could just go out and maul Carla. You know, she made me look stupid. Uh, Joanna twice. She made me look stupid. Uh, Andrade the second, you know what I mean? Like she's made me look dumb a few times. So who am I to, you know what I mean? Like who am I to say shit about this fight? I love it. So officially speaking, my guy James Cross is going with and new times two in the main event and co-main event. Now we get to the fun part of the show, the coach's main event marathon. I've given you the odds for the main card. Who are you going to be betting on for this uh, weekend to try to get yourself back into a uh, second or even first place? Well, listen, I fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's so I love many, putting you guys in this position. I love there's it. There's so many other better bets. Like if we just did like any bet on the card, over yeah. unders, like I would mark this. This <laughs> this would not even be these other guys wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be close. But we're only doing money line picks. We're only betting a hundred dollars. Like you, there's so many rules in here that it makes it really difficult. So like my obvious play would be would be Chandler, but you can't even if I yeah. win, it's gonna give me like 75 cents. It's not even worth playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so from a value standpoint, I'm gonna I I feel like uh I'm gonna have to go with Gaethje. Like he's an underdog. I think this fight should be a pick em. Uh and the other ones I'm just not like you know crazy convinced on. Uh Chandler's a huge favorite. It doesn't even make sense to play him. Chandler Chandler would be what I call a parlay piece. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but as far as I don't Shogun and uh OSP, OSP. is a fucking shot in the dark you know what i mean like i don't i, I feel like i feel like there's some value on shogun there yeah. um but i don't know like you know both of them have looked lackluster lately and shogun's my favorite fighter of all time uh likewise yeah. <laughs> i so got i got his poster here where he beat uh machida at ufc 113 i was there for that car too first ever ufc event for me he is yeah. my favorite fighter of all time i wish he would be done man like yeah i, I know i know anyway Justin Gaethje is where I feel like the most value lies, and that's on favorites and underdogs. I feel like the value is on Justin Gaethje. The best value, bang for your buck, there is on Justin Gaethje. That's where I'm going. Gaethje, like I said, currently sits at plus 150, so that would net my guy James 150 bucks if he's able to go out there and get that win and become lightweight champion while doing so. James, appreciate you taking out the time, as always, to do this show. Anything you want to say on the back end, my friend? Um, yeah, yeah, I will actually, I normally don't, but I have a, I have a, a betting discord now that we, man, we've, we've really built, like, I think we have like 1,250 people in Damn. there now. And it's grown a ton. My dogs are going crazy. Sorry. <laughs> no it's grown a ton. Uh, yeah, hit it on my Instagram. I post about it all the time. Like it's a, it's a fun community. And last week we crushed it, crushed it last week. So, uh, I don't think we've had a losing week since we started it. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Love it. I love it. Make sure you guys go support my guy, James. Hit up his IG. I believe it's the James Krause. Make sure you guys go check him out and then join up with that Discord as well because I've been hearing nothing but good things about it as well since he dropped it. So make sure you guys go show him some support. James, once again, appreciate you doing the show and good luck on Justin Gaethje this weekend. Hopefully you end up on top of the leaderboard come uh, Sunday morning. Let's go. 
And we are back with my guy, Cody Donovan from Elevation Fight Team. Catching him on a business trip right now, but he's still making out the time to do the show for us. Cody, how are you doing, my brother? I'm good, man. We're down here in Austin, Texas, doing some some cross-training with the B-team guys. We're headed over there in about a half hour. Pretty excited about it. I love it. I love it. It's always cool to hear about these, uh, you, know, you know, these established teams actually going out and cross training with other teams and try to just get different looks and all that. Not a lot of guys do that, right? I feel like that they might be a little bit too prideful in terms of uh, giving it up and going to a different team to to get some extra training. But uh, it seems like that's something that you guys like to do. Is am I, am I off on that, or uh, is this the I mean, first time yeah, you guys yeah. are doing if, it? If you're if you're too prideful to. To, to you know it, it takes what it takes right so if you're if you're too prideful to get your guys in the right rooms then uh you probably need to move on to a different job right Co- coaching is about making sure the guys get what they need and um making sure that they're getting the best training and that they're the most prepared for whatever they have coming up and um yeah i, I mean i'm i'm very clear about what my job is man i don't i don't know everything yeah like not even close man and one of my jobs is to keep an eye on what's happening in the martial arts world and making sure that my guys are getting everything they need. You know, I, I love it. And one of your main jobs is also being one of the head coaches and generals for one of the top heavyweights in the UFC who just got a, a big fight announced. Mr. Curtis blades. I believe he's down there with you in, in Texas yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. I just want to, would love to hear your preliminary thoughts on, on Tom Aspen. I know there's still some time before the fight, but like anything off the top of your head that you'd like to share in terms of what you think of Aspinall and his streaking start to his UFC career. I think he's really good. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I am, I am really looking forward to this challenge uh, for for myself, for, for Vinny Lopez, you know, the other coach, for uh, for Curtis. There are some fun puzzles that we're going to get to solve here, and I think that we're going to see, – see, the thing is, like, e- each fight, you guys get to see a little bit more of Curtis. And he got derailed a little bit in the – you know, in the Derek Lewis fight where he walked, where he he, t- he got lazy and complacent for a split second, took a lazy shot, ran into that uppercut, and that's all anybody remembers. But if you watch the rest of that fight, are we? Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Of course, go okay. for it. Because he beat the fuck out of Derek. For of course, of he did. He was winning ninety nine percent of that fight. Yeah. Go in watch the striking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He beat the shit out of him striking. Right. Yeah. He just got lazy and complacent. And then, and then that was followed with the Jarzinho fight, which he was he was hesitant, man. He just got knocked out, right? So yeah. anyone that doesn't know what it feels like to come back to a big fight like that after just getting KO'd, they're, they're, it's a process, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, we came back in this last fight and, and uh, put it on Dacus. And um, no, 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 only his coaches and training partners have been able to see what Curtis Blaze is capable of. He's the most dynamic heavyweight that the UFC has ever seen. I, I promise you that. And he, um, I think I'm qualified to make that opinion. Obviously it's a biased opinion, but he is a damn monster everywhere. And and he's going to go show that off, you know? There's a reason that every time Curtis Blade steps into the cage, he's always a massive favorite, right? Minus 400, whatever yeah. it is. Even when he fought Francis both times, he was the favorite. When he fought Derek Lewis, he was a massive favorite as well. It's yeah. just that one mental lapse that might happen where he gets caught by the heaviest hitters in the game, right? Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou are probably the greatest heavyweight punchers the UFC has ever seen, and those are his only two losses to this point in time. But yeah, you, you can't t- take anything away from Curtis, though, man. The guy is very skilled. His striking has come miles from what it used to be. 
earlier in his UFC career. I believe he started off in Chicago at a UFC gym, if I'm not mistaken. Then he made his way down to you guys, and you can see a huge improvement from him. This Tom Aspinall test is a tough test, but I guarantee that uh, Curtis Blades will likely still be the favorite come uh, fight night, and I do think that is rightfully so. I'm really much looking forward to how he goes about it. I still have some question marks about Tom Aspinall myself, and I feel like a guy like Curtis Blades can answer those questions for us, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I appreciate your insight on that, but we are here talking about UFC 274. Let's just quickly do a recap of how your last event went. You were in first place. You swung for the fences. You could have just chilled out on top, Cody. Kind of I out on top, but you decide to go with the Korean zombie at plus 500. Uh, you end up losing on that bet. That drops you down to third place now. You're still in the green, though, which is obviously a positive. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, the Korean zombie fight there? I mean, dude, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he was gonna win, you know, yeah. but I was, I looked at the odds and I was like, these odds are insane, yeah, and it was just fun. We're having fun here, That's right? So I was like, I was just thinking, like, look, man, if he did win, and then all of a sudden I'm ahead by you know, 500 and whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and then the interview before I told you I was just going to hit bunts and play it safe all the time. So I was like, that's going to be, you know. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a silly bet, but it was fun, man. I mean, and it made the fight pretty exciting, you know. But did I think he was going to win that fight? No, I yeah. didn't. I, I think I think the fight game has passed him a little bit. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't have the tools. He's not He's not fighting the way the way the the way MMA is happening these days, he just, he's not there anymore. I think maybe I'm not saying he needs to be done. Maybe he switches camps or, or uh, not, not necessarily camps. Maybe him and his coaches take some field trips and they start adding some new tools or whatever. But if he doesn't add anything new, I think that's what you're going to see out of him moving forward. Yeah, I think he's a top 10 guy, not so much a top three guy anymore, right? Like those yeah. top three guys, Holloway and, and Volkanovski, are going to be very difficult to beat if you're not able to evolve your game. Uh, it, it, we had That was a pay-per-view where the top three fights were all big favorites, right? You had Volkanovski, you had Piotr Jan, and then you had Hamza Chmaev. One of those three guys was going to lose. Unfortunately, it was Piotr Jan that ends up losing that night. And Aljamain Sterling wins. One of our coaches, Tyson Chartier, who we're going to be hearing from next, he was the only guy that took Aljamain Sterling in that bumped him up right to the top of the standings here so i can't wait to talk to him and hear him gloat a little bit well but, congr uh, congrats to him congrats to him. <laughs> I, I like i like him he's a good coach so congrats to him you know. Tyson's a beast for sure. I only bring beasts on this show, Cody, and you're definitely one of them as well. But uh, so yeah, you're in third place now. You want to get back on track. You want to get another win. We'll talk about who your bet's going to be at the ending of this segment. But let's get into the breakdowns of the the top two fights here. First yeah. fight of the or the the main event that we're going to be going over first here is the lightweight title on the line. Charles Del Bronx Oliveira going up, defending his title against Denver native. Uh, Mr. Justin Gaethje, in terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus uh, minus 170 for Charles Oliveira, plus 150 to return on Justin Gaethje. Well, I don't. First of all, I don't want to take anything away from Oliveira. I've been nothing but impressed with him, just, just like you just said. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with the decisions he makes. I enjoy watching uh, the way he handles the ground. The, the, you know, I think that he's a ninja there. I think. Um, particularly the way he handles back exposure and back mount. I, I try to emulate that in my teaching with certain guys. So I, I'm a big fan of him. That being said, Gaethje's our guy, right? So um, if Ga if there's anyone that can make a person quit on the stool, it's Gaethje. You, you know what I'm saying? Gaethje's got an incredible pace. Gaethje is extremely hard to take down. Um, and I don't, I mean, 
nobody wants to get hit by Gaethje. Nobody. And Gaethje's he, he's willing to. Or somebody I read I read this thing the other day. Somebody said Gaethje will set himself on fire just to burn you a little bit or something like that. That was, was Joe like, Lozon. Oh yeah, Joe Lozon you know, said that. But but that being said, um, you know if you watch Gaethje, Gaethje's like he has this reputation of being reckless. He's not as reckless as everybody thinks he is. Like he's not he's not taking the same amount of damage. Okay, maybe in the last fight, but you know if you look at the few before that, like he's. His head movement and his footwork and, and and his timing and the way he picks his shots, it's it's intelligent. It's not reckless, man. And I watch, I you know, I get to watch this. I get to watch the great Trevor Whitman uh, at sparring, coaching him. And um, you know, I can't. I'm not going to give anything away or anything. But like, there's a, there's a strategy. There's a plan. There's like they know what they're doing. You know, and Trevor's one of the greatest coaches that ever lived. And you you can guarantee that the strategies that they're going to implement on Saturday night have been well thought out. Right. And and they have trust. Gaethje, Gaethje listens and trusts Trevor. Gaethje would follow Trevor to hell. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, that magic happens. Magic happens in that scenario. So there's a yeah. big improvement that we've seen from Gaethje from his WSOF days to the UFC in terms of technical. Right. Like he's way more technical now. Doesn't you know, he, he's not as much of a, a crazy man like he was when he fought Luis Palomino. Right. Remember those crazy wars that he had back oh, yeah. in the day? But now he's, you know, really starting to string it together. The, the Tony Ferguson fight was a great example of that. Beautiful technical boxing, just absolutely touching up Tony for the majority of 25 minutes. Uh, again, the, the the Chandler fight was it was crazy. But even in that, you can see him trying to be a little bit more methodical, whereas Chandler's just throwing for the fences and hoping to clip Gaethje with something. But more often than not, yeah. he just kept getting countered and hit back. So um, I guess considering the, the closest relationship that you have with Gaethje here, the prediction is going to be Gaethje, yeah? Has to be, yeah. yeah. To be. I don't want you I mean, getting dude, I've been, I've been uh, exposed, or I don't. I don't want you getting expelled from your from your gyms over there, picking well, against I'm, him. Dude, I've been, I've been watching that kid since. So the 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 founder of Elevation Fight Team was Leister Bowling, right? Yeah. And Leister Bowling was a coach at Grudge. Leister was bringing Gagey down when he was a teenager, dude. Wow. Like bringing him down. I mean, he introduced him to Trevor. He was like, "Hey, this kid's special. You got to hold mitts for him." Like that kid's been around. I literally. I feel like I watched him grow up in the room, you know, and I, I can never, I can never root against him. In terms of how you seeing him get it done, could you, could you put a a method of victory or even a, 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 a yeah, I, could, I would say, I would say TKO probably later rounds, round three, round four, round five, something like that. It's just going to be the, the attrition, putting the volume on him. They'll probably drop him. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to don't, don't don't show the cards. give up strategies, but yeah. yeah. Um, I would say TKO later rounds, probably, uh, I'd say like around three, around four. I love it. I, I may or may not be looking at betting the under two and a half in that fight because out of the 16 last fights for Charles Oliveira, only one of them have gone past that two and a half round mark, which was a Tony Ferguson fight where he just completely out grappled him. But uh, man, now, now you got me thinking a little bit that Justin might take it a little bit easy and start to open up later in this fight. So I'll think about it a little bit more. But my guy Cody Donovan is going and you in the main event, and I can absolutely see the reasoning as to why he's going that way. Let's get yep. to the co-main event here, uh, Cody. We got a women's strawweight fight, a rematch from a fight that took place eight years ago. We got Rose Namajunas defending her title against Carla Esparza. How do you see this one going down, brother? I agree with the odds. I think this fight is only happening because there's a backstory, right? I think this fight is happening because, because they fought when she was new, and there's something to sell there. Outside of that, no disrespect uh, to to uh Esparza, but I don't I don't think that and I don't think they're in the same league at all. We've you know we've seen what Rose has done in the past couple of years and 
Yeah, I don't. I, I think this fight goes exactly the way everybody thinks it's going to go. I think Rose is going to go out there and take her lunch. Interesting. You think you think she finishes her? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Interesting. I think she finishes her. You know, same fashion. Turns up the volume on her. Out, out touches her. I mean, I don't know. She's pretty tough. She's she's durable. So, I see a I see a I see a lot of damage being done. You know, if, if they're standing there getting their hands raised, they are not going to look the same, right? Uh, I think Rose will still look cute, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I think uh, yeah, that, that that's my prediction, right? Putting it as nice as I can. I think we're going to see a dam a lot of damage done on one side. In regards to Carla Esparza's wrestling, how that could be a threat to Rose Namajunas, right? We saw Rose get taken down five times by Wiley Zhang in her last fight. However, she did a really good job in terms of nullifying the amount of damage that Wiley was able to do. She even got a reversal in one of those rounds. She was able to uh, you know, get her feet on the hips, push her back, get back to her feet, and get back to her bread and butter, which is her striking. Yeah. Carla seems to be a little bit more difficult to do that with, right? She's a pretty good wrestler, good top pressure, but dealing with a more confident Rose now who you know, threatens with submissions off her back. She does a really good job in terms of disrupting the balance of her opponent on top of them so they can't really do much on top of her. But Carla has got to be the best wrestler that she's fought to this point. But what would you make of that assessment? Yeah, I think you're accurate there. Um, you know, but she's, she's going to have to get close to wrestle, right? I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if she's going to be able to close the distance on Rose. I don't think anybody has footwork or what I call zone three weapons, right? Some of those longer range weapons that Rose has. You know, I don't know. I, I think she is a great wrestler, but there's lots of great wrestlers that get out stuck and don't get to, you know, have things go their way. If it does hit the floor, I think Rose can, you know, negate the damage. And, you know, worst case scenario, if she if she's just tying the arms up and has to wait it out, you, you know, you can lose fights that way. So I would expect to see a little. I didn't get. To, I don't know any of her game plan or any of the strategies. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't get to watch Rose train, but. I would expect an active bottom game like we've seen more recently, and uh, and she's good there. And um, you know, if the fight goes as far as his way, that's that's what it would look like. If I was fighting Rose, that's how I would coach it, right? I'd I'd, I'd try to keep Rose trapped in the outside six feet, back foot dragging on the fence, getting her face, uh, you know, put her on the floor, maybe even let her up a few times, that kind of thing, right? But um, I just don't see it happening, man. I th I think Rose has got more tools. I think Rose is just better everywhere. You know, maybe not offensive wrestling, but outside of that, that's 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 one part of the fight, right? Yeah, we if you if you go back and watch that last fight and then you watch the last couple of fights for Rose, you see a tremendous improvement from Rose, especially with the distance management, being able to kind of stay on that outside, let her strikes go, find those sneaky shots like she did against Wiley Zhang to put her out in that first round. Uh, and I think that could be the difference maker here for her as well in terms of managing that range, keeping Carla on the outside. And you seem to be agreeing with me in terms of that, that assessment, yeah? yeah? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Perfect. 100%. All right, so we're going and new in the uh, main event and still in the co-main event. Yeah. Now we get to the fun sh part of the show, which is the the betting. You're in third place right now. Who are you going to be putting your $100 on from the main card this week at UFC 274? Gaethje. Gaethje, you got a plus 150, so you're getting a nice 150 bucks if he's able to go out there and secure that gold, that yeah. undisputed gold. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that fight, brother. Uh, I, think, I think you meant. I think you meant when he secures the gold. <laughs> no, that's okay. I like it. 
<laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, d- just from a fan's perspective, are, are there any other fights off that card from the top of your head that you're just like, I can't wait to see this? The, like, are you aware of what the rest of the card is, or are you too busy over there coaching? Yeah, these guys? I, I looked a little. I looked a little bit. Uh, you know, usually when I meet with you, I like to sit down and do a bunch of homework and study tape and stuff, so I can kind of get into something. But I, I've just been slammed out here. Um, but. You know, I fought O Vince back in the day. I yeah. like O Vince, so I, I like the O Vince fight, man. I, I this is Shogun's last fight, right? Is that what I heard? I hope so. As a big Shogun fan myself, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's gonna get mauled, man. I just yeah. I'm looking at pictures of Shogun. He just does not look the same. Um, and O Vince, uh, you know, O Vince, O Vince is great, man. He's a beast. I, I wouldn't mind that one. I haven't even looked at the undercard. I'm sure there's some great stuff on there, but I don't, I don't have anything good, man. I haven't been able to study like I normally would. I, I actually do. I'll, I'll let you go on this one. There is a, another very interesting fight on the card: Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of Ferguson, right? Because I, I, I'll tee this up to you. Like his last two fights, he gets out grappled by Benio Dariush and Charles Oliveira. Now he's going up against Michael Chandler, who's a great wrestler, but we don't really see him utilize his wrestling as much anymore, right? He seems to be the guy that wants to go out there and swing that leather, try to be a fan-friendly uh, fighter, try to be somebody that puts on entertaining fights. And if you want to do that against Tony Ferguson, not might not be a, a, a you know a good yeah. idea what yeah, are your thoughts dude. on that i mean dude i this this what an exciting fight like if you're not excited for this fight you know who that's crazy like this, this is this is going to be an amazing fight uh ferguson's crazy he's yeah. he's nuts man he's gonna go out there and just he's gonna go out there and do his thing hope i mean if chandler wants a win he's gonna stick to a game plan and he's gonna go out there and uh, he's gonna and he's gonna wrestle. He's gonna fight a little bit smarter, not try to just like be an entertaining boxer or something, you know. Um, I but also, you know, Ferguson's pretty dangerous on the floor, in you know, in certain in certain places. He's got some funky stuff. If I'm Chandler, I I go out there and I'm well rounded the whole fight, right? I I I constantly threaten wrestling um, to set up my hands, and I use my hands to set up wrestling. I don't commit to being on the floor. He's got the gas. We know he has the gas tank to do it. Um, and I think he just goes out there and, and, and breaks, breaks the man, you know, I think that as far as Ferguson goes, okay. So like, if you go back to the Gaethje fight, there was something happening in that fight that was, I mean, it, you, everybody could see it. Right. It was like, Ferguson was missing a step. It was, it was like, Ferguson was like watching, you know, uh, like watching a stolen feed of a fight or something. He was, he was two, <laughs> he was two seconds off dude. Right. Yeah. And, um, that was scary, you know, it makes me sad, made, made me, made me kind of sad, you know? So I think, uh, I don't know, man, I'm, in, I'm interested to see where he's at. Cause I'm, I'm at this point where I think Ferguson should be done and, you know, just based on all the stuff I hear. And, uh, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see this one. It's, it's going to, I think it's gonna be a barn burner either way, you know? Yeah. I think it's a it's a fight for the fans truly, and if the UFC really wanted Ferguson to 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 get a win, they'd probably give him a different opponent compared to to Michael Chandler, right? Give him a little bit more of a step down. He's been fighting the best of the best over the last several years, especially since COVID. You know, going Gaethje, Oliveira, and now uh, and then uh, Benio Dariush, and now Michael Chandler. Good God, yeah. Yeah, you know, give the give the guy a, a softball here and there. But I don't even think that Tony Ferguson would want it any other way, just because of how much of a maniac yeah, he is. He's a gangster. Right? You know exactly. what I will I will say I will say one more one more fight. Um Yep. Ran into my old friend uh Donald Cerrone when I was out in Vegas. Hi. Yeah. You know and, and I know I know that he did his whole camp out there. He had his RV parked there at the uh PI at the PI man and 
sounds like he was really able to get focused and not be distracted by his ranch and all this other stuff that he had. And I was just, li- I was listening to some interviews and listening to his motivations about his, you know, his boy and all that. It really touched my heart, man. He, uh, me and him go way back, you know, training partners, like we started in the same time, you know, and, um, a lot Who's of that grudge that. as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Jackson's and all that. So just a lot of love for that dude. And I'm so excited to see him do his thing, man. I, I, I could see in his eyes, like, uh, that the right cowboy is going to show up, you know, and, and, uh, and hopefully he does, man. If he does, I think, I think that's going to be a great fight as well. I look forward to it. I tweeted out yesterday. It's been three years since he got his hand raised in victory, and it would be great to see him get another win this weekend. You know, oh, yeah. it's at, at the expense uh, expense of my boy Joe Lozon, but I believe that they're going to go out there and, and put on a really good show, and hopefully Cowboy's able to get his hand raised. He's the minus 170 favorite, so the public believe he believes he's going to get yep. his hand raised. Yep. I, I, I'm inclined to think so as well. Cody, yep. again, truly appreciate you joining me as always every two months like we do this show. Anything you want to say on the back end here before I let you go, my man? No, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Love it. Enjoy your time down there in Austin. Tell Curtis I said what up. Let's go get that money against uh, Tom Aspinall in a couple months. Uh, Good luck to you this weekend with Justin Gaethje, and I'll see you in July, my friend. All right. Later, brother. Thank you. And we are back and ending the show with the king of the mountain, Tyson Chartier, after he cashed on Aljamain Sterling at the last pay-per-view event. We'll get to that very shortly, but first and foremost, Tyson, how are you doing, my brother? Not bad, man. Just uh, getting back to work in camp with Cater. So it's uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy to me that there's like these big gyms that have fires on every single weekend. And then there's a guy like you that doesn't have as large of a stable, but it seems like you're always, you know, in the fire pretty much, uh, you know, on a, on a week to week basis, getting your guys prepared and ready for their own fights. I know the, the main guys that you work with are obviously Rob Font and Calvin Cater, but there are obviously some regional guys that you have under your wing as well. Am I correct? Yeah, we got a couple of uh, regional guys. One's three and one, the other one's four and oh with four first round finishes. So, you know, I assume within another year, year and a half, both those guys will be, you know, fighting on Saturday nights in the UFC. So, um, yeah, just getting those guys ready. They're at all the sessions with Robin Calvin. So just getting Robin Calvin ready for their fights and then getting these guys, you know, built up. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So uh, we just brought up Rob Font. I do obviously want to talk about that real quick here. Obviously not the results you guys wanted the last time around or last weekend against Chito Vera there. I thought he looked great up until the moments that he gets uh, caught and dropped. Obviously it's like, you know, playing a basketball match and you're up nine points at the end of the quarter. And then the other team just hits a 10 pointer pretty much just to take the, uh, take the lead going into the next round. Right. Uh, What's your quick analysis of, uh, of what happened that night? Yeah, it's two fights in a row that we've really won, like four minutes and 30 seconds of every round, but still lost the fight. Um, so I think there's some things that we got to figure out and, um, you know, get get Rob a long rest here. Let him heal up. That's two fights in a row. And, um, you know, go back to the drawing board. And, I, you know, we get a good idea of things that we want to try to figure out and, and fix once he's healthy. And, and then hopefully we can, you know, mitigate that risk of it, you know, reduce the chance of it ever happening again. And, um yeah i mean he was popping off really well you know he was you know we knew we could get cheeto to cover and he'd just take some shots and we knew that would be there and you know we're trying to use our footwork freeze him land two three four shots um you know we really didn't think we'd be able to put him away so to speak he's a very durable guy but um i think you know, you look at the way the weight cut went and that, and I think Rob, maybe he doesn't even realize he did it, but it looked like he was really trying to 
put them away with strikes. And whenever you're trying to knock a guy out, um, you generally aren't going to knock them out. You're going to end up, it's going to be a lot of arm punches, a lot of wasted energy. And, um, you know, the juice isn't necessarily worth the squeeze when you go down that road. And, um, you know, that's just what happens sometimes in fights. And you go out and you're landing great shots and then somehow the guy's wearing them really well. And, um, you know, then they land one clean shot and it changes the tide of the fight. And it's, it's crazy because as much as like you look at Rob after the fight and you look at Cheeto and, you know, we, we had a lot more damage and um, than he did, you know, but, you know, we still broke records for like the most significant shots ever landed in a Bantamweight fight, third all time ever in the UFC. Um, so there's like positives to take away from it, but that could also be spun into a negative. It's like, how are we landing that many shots and not hurting them? You know, obviously yeah. Cheeto's a, a beast in that, right? But I think we weren't necessarily sitting on our punches a little bit. You know, we got to get back to the drawing board on that. And maybe, you know, focus a little bit more on, on boxing, getting our feet underneath us. And, um, you know, in the past when Rob lands those shots, but, you know, he's hurt of people. And for whatever reason, the last two fights, they weren't. And um, that's something that we got to figure out. And um, it's tough because if you look at, the last what 15 20 seconds of that second round i know we're going up with a heavy two to nothing lead yeah going into the third and then that let that you know clipped us right at the end changed the tide one judge still gave us that round the other two didn't i can argue we probably didn't win that round you know you get dropped like that and we weren't necessarily doing a ton of damage but um you know if that that doesn't happen right and then let's say we still sustain the damage in the third and fourth like we did we lose those rounds the fifth round was like the same thing as the second. We were doing really, really well until the very end where he caught us with something and kind of wobbled us. So it's like he stole that round too. So it's it's just crazy how close the fight really was if you take out the optics of it with, you know, Rob being swollen like he was and, and bleeding. Um, fortunately, a lot of those injuries were superficial. You know, it was just black eyes and bruising and stuff like that. You know, he came out of the Alda fight and he had, you know, a, a – really really minor orbital fracture he didn't have that in this fight um it was just a minor nasal issue and that's what caused all the swelling brain scans are all good his hands are good and um all things considered based on how he looked you know you know we're, we're very fortunate that we came out um you know as i want to say uninjured because you know he took a lot of damage but you know it could have been worse and so i think a lot of people were concerned after the fight based on just how he looked if there was more damage and uh, we're, you know we're very lucky that there wasn't yeah no his performance was great in terms of like breaking numbers and all that stuff like throwing the output that's that's rob font's game work behind that jab and put the output out there and he did that to a t it's just those minor little slip-ups that cause around to swing the other way now that the fight's over is there any other insight in terms of uh him missing weight like was there an injury in camp or something because that's very uncharacteristic of him right like that was the first time i believe he's ever missed weight and to have it on that stage it, it kind of made me scratch my head i'm like there must be something that happened in training camp is there anything that you can speak to in terms of that now that the fight's over yeah there wasn't any injuries or anything like that it's just um sometimes you know i've done enough weight cuts where i know and i've done weight cuts myself you know sometimes everything's perfect and then all of a sudden it's just not and uh yeah. you know no excuses you know we missed weight um rob was doing everything right he wasn't cheating he wasn't doing anything like that uh, we went out early to try to settle in faster with the weight and um the weight cut was going great and you know, the first 30 minute session that we did, weight was coming off. The second session didn't come off as fast. And then all of a sudden we did another 30 minute session and literally like there was no sweat. And then, so we, we took a break, we chilled out and then we came back and it was like, just to get the weight to move, we'd have to work so hard to get 
a sweat going and it's just for whatever reason his body just wasn't cooperating and um you know we brought the pi in and um we had them you know look at us we talked to them and at that point we just had to make the decision like listen like if we push any harder like we're, we're probably not going to make it but if we push harder like th- there's going to be no fight you know they, yeah he was already getting to the point where he was pretty um pretty taxed and um at that point it's like i just had to make the call and say listen i'm not letting you cut any more weight and you know, if the UFC wants to get upset about it or people want to throw shade, throw it at me because I'm, I'm the one that made the call. Rob was ready to get his shoes on and go running. And I just, you know, sat there with the PI. We had a pretty pretty honest conversation about where we were at and, and about what we thought. And at that point, you know, I thought it was more important to let's save the fight rather than try to make weight and then not fight. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, because we don't, we don't like to miss weight, you know, obviously it's not something we've ever done before. We don't think it's uh, professional. Um, all I can say is that there was nothing that was done that we're like, well, if you didn't do this, you would have made weight. It was, it was literally like everything was going to like down to a T, like how it should be going. And then for whatever reason, it just stopped. And, you know, anybody who's been around the sport long enough can, if you haven't felt that yet, you know, you're, you're very fortunate and you're lucky, but, um, you know, most people can recognize that they see guys, they're doing all the right things. And for whatever reason, their body just doesn't agree on that day. And, um, that's how, that's how it happened. Yeah, no, uh, Rob Font is an absolute G. I know he would have died trying to make the weight if he could, but good on you for kind of reeling him back and bringing him back to reality uh, so that he could actually make the fight the next day. And we still got the fight, obviously not the outcome that you guys wanted, but we know that Rob Font will bounce back in a big way, and I can't wait to see him back. Hopefully, you know, whether it's next year, whatever it is, let the man rest up and let's get him back in there and get back on track because I know exactly he can do that. But let's let's move on to, to bigger and better things here. We got Calvin Cater, who just had a great fight book here i believe he's main eventing in june or july if i'm not mistaken is it the end of june june 18th in austin texas with a full crowd Uh, full crowd as well that's a a great uh aspect of that fight as well he's taking on josh emmett who uh you know a lot of people feel like he hasn't been given his flowers yet even though he's going out there and dispatching of a lot of guys if he beats calvin cater here he'll definitely be able to get his flowers but that's going to be a very tough task to do so uh i know you've already started studying on the fights uh i would love to hear your preliminary thoughts on uh what you think of that matchup and uh yeah on josh emmett himself yeah, Josh is in a, he's a G. He's a tough kid, good wrestler, but barely uses it. You know, he likes know, to go out there right? and, and bang. You know, he's a fan favorite. Like, um, yeah. he comes from a great camp. I love the alpha male guys. You know, it's, it's Coach Chris and, you know, um, Castillo and those guys are always nice to us in fight week. So I was joking around with Chris last week. I was like, hey, we're doing this, huh? And I was like, I'm going to see you across the cage. Or I'm going to make fun of them. You know, they're doing the ESPN Destin, and now they call it Journey. They're going to do that. So I'm just going to talk shit to Chris the whole time and say that <laughs> Josh can't win because he's got Chris in his corner. And I don't lose to Chris. And, but no, but uh, really, this is a fan favorite. You know, this is a fight that deserves to be in front of the fans because yeah. both these guys come out and they let it rip. And, um, there's no way that these guys can be in a boring fight, you know? And, um, I think, uh, stylistically, it's a, it's a, it's a fun fight for the fans. It's a fun fight for the UFC and it's a huge fight for the division based on where everything's at. Cause you know, you got to think like the winner of this fight could, could really argue that they're the next in line for title after Max and Alex fight this summer. 
Let's get to the UFC 274 here. Let's get into the coaches' main event marathon. As I started at the top here, says you are the king of the mountain. You're in first place right now after catching a big ticket on uh, Al Jermaine Sterling last time around. I believe he closed as a plus 350 underdog that night. Your profit now is uh, 150 bucks. You're one and two, but luckily that uh, one that you got was a big, big underdog on Al Jermaine Sterling. Uh, when you picked Aljo, was it more so to try to dig yourself out of the hole or did you legitimately think he had a shot to go out there and get the dub? I said after the first fight with Aljo, like, so similar background to Aljo, I was a wrestler and then the, my whole pro career had neck issues. So I was a grappler who couldn't really push grappling and fight in training. Mm -hmm. And then I would go out there and fights and try to grapple. Your, your cardio is not going to be the same. If you're not grappling hard in camp, you can't expect to last grappling hard in a fight. And um, I said that once he got his neck fixed, and I had talked to Aljo out in Vegas when Rob fought Garbrandt, and uh, he was just telling us about his neck a little bit. And um, I had said after that fight, I go, listen, like if he comes back with a fixed neck and fixed neck, and he can grapple, I was like, this is a, it's a different fight. You know, he was putting a good pace on him early. He just didn't have the cardio to keep that pace. And I said he just has to win the first three rounds. If he can win the first three rounds, I go, he has to survive the fourth and the fifth. And uh, I was saying that right after that first fight is if he comes back with a good neck, he can, you know, what's his face? Jan tends to give rounds away early. He's yeah. like looking to kind of download, figure it out. And then he's looking for land those big shots. Even if you look at the Jim Rivera fight, Jim yeah. Rivera was kind of like won most of that fight. But just that was like the Rob Font fight for you guys. Exactly, with exactly. Vera, right? He's running so, but, 90% of the yeah. round gets dropped at the end. Right. So um, I had said like, I really think Jan can beat him. I was, he has to, I mean, sorry, uh, Aljo can beat Jan. He just has to fight smart and, and fight perfect. And he really did fight smart in that fight. Um, the first round was probably a little closer than he had wanted. Um, but I can see how you give him the first round because he was, yeah, maybe he was moving backwards, but he was landing shots. Were they hurting? No. But what was Jan doing other than moving forward, taking soft shots and just trying to load up on a big one that he wasn't landing? So I wasn't surprised. I thought it would be, I thought he had it. I, I, to me, it was a pick em fight. So when you have plus 350 on a pick em fight, um, why not go? Especially when I said kicking this whole thing off is I, I'm going to go underdogs every time and I just have to go two <laughs> for five. If I can win two out of every five times, I'll probably do all right. Yeah, for sure. I uh, Mark Montoya, I believe, is at the bottom of the 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 board right now, and he's like, "Oh, I got I got to start swinging for the fences as well to try to get myself <laughs> back into the the green, especially with Tyson uh, all the way at the top of the leaderboard now." So great hit from you, obviously on Aljamain Sterling, very very sharp pick there to catch him at plus three fifty. We'll get your uh, next pick at the end of the segment here, but uh, let's break down the main event and co-main event of this upcoming card. Right, we got a title fight double header here. We'll start off with the main event lightweight title fight between uh, Justin. Gaethje and the champion Charles Oliveira. What are your thoughts about this fight? How do these guys match up with each other? And ultimately, who do you take? Who do you think takes home the lightweight strap? I really think it's like both guys can win, you yeah. know. And I think both guys can lose. Like it's it's just such an even fight and an interesting stylistic. You have the guy with the power plus the guy who like gets hurt but comes back and 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 always has that submission threat. Like I just feel like. So with, with, with all things equal there, then I got to look at like, all right, how have they been trending? And I think it's hard to go against Charles on the streak that he's on. What's that, like 10 wins in a row that he's got with nine finishes? And really you could say that if he fought anyone other than freaking Tony Ferguson, he wins that fight by armbar, you know? Um, so it's hard. He's on such a good streak right now. And, and he's shown the ability to like get hurt, come back and then win, you know? And um, I think that's 
And then on, on the flip side, you know, Gaethje, who's a beast in his own right, like he he also gets hurts, he gets hurt in fights when he wins. I think the difference could be is all the guys that he's been fighting that like when they hurt him, they try to finish him. You know, they try to get in there and knock him out. I think if there's any blood in the water against Gaethje, Charles is jumping on his back and trying to choke him. Like, so I think that's the difference. And I think you saw that with a little bit with Khabib. Now it's hard to compare Oliver to Khabib because it's just different styles. But like, I think Oliveira is, he's not going to try to just slug it out like these other guys. He's going to maybe take some early adversity. If he can survive that early onslaught and then look to wait for Gaethje to take a breath and come at him and then, and then look to leverage some of his jujitsu. I, I think it's interesting. I think it could look a little bit like the Dustin Poirier fight, you know, survive the onslaught, stay smart, stay protected. And that same thing with Michael Chandler, you know, just survive and then come back and get in his face and the way for him to make a mistake and, and, and get in there. Um, but I mean, I'm not surprised if either one of these guys wins, like it's hard to really pick. So I'm just looking at like, what's the, how they looked lately. And I think based on how they've looked lately, it's hard to go against Oliveira right now. Yeah, 10 fight winning streak for Charles Oliveira, a UFC record 15 submission victories inside the UFC as well. Uh, second place is Damian Maia with 11. So he has a, a solid stranglehold on that record. It's going to be tough for anybody to beat that record there. Uh, so you're going with Charles Oliveira. You, get it, you think he gets it done inside the distance? I think whoever wins this fight probably gets a finish. I love it. I love it. All right. So we get and still in the main event. Let's move on to the co-main event here. We got Carlos Esparza taking on Rose Namajunas in a in a rematch eight years in the making. First of all, do you agree with the line? And then secondly, do you think, uh, or secondly, how do you think the fight plays out and who wins? So what did you say the odd is uh, Carlos was a plus 125. What was Rose? Uh, Rose minus 210, Carlos Esparza plus 175. So in terms of implied it? odds, uh, 68% implied that Rose wins this fight, 36% percent implied that carlo wins this fight yeah i feel like that's i feel like that's uh probably about where they should be based on like how i'm thinking about the fight i feel like rose should win um carlo's path to victory is to try to just use her wrestling and and just win rounds you know um rose has shown that she's got power at that division which isn't you know not super common and then she's also you know, dealt with adversity in fights. She's dealt with strong girls. She's dealt with girls that are slick strikers. And she got good jiu-jitsu and hits hard. So I just think she's got more pass to victory. Um, and I think she's, you know, she changed up her camp a little bit. She trained in Mora, I think, in Minnesota with Pat and Nelson. And then also going down and, and seeing Trevor. So I think there's a good blend there. Um, yeah, and Carla's kind of more of the same that she's been doing the whole time. And she, she's obviously improved. But she's winning some, you know, split decisions and stuff like that. I think it's going to be hard to win a split decision against someone like Rose. She's just so crafty. She's smart. And unfortunately, the if it's a close round, the judge is usually going to give it to the champion, even though they're not supposed to score any differently, whether it's a title fight or not. You know, I always say that line, if you got to win the champion, you got to beat the champion. And it's like, no, it's like, that's not how the scoring that. works. It, it's literally, you just judge feathers. the round. It doesn't matter yeah. who the champion is. you got to judge who won that round. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you have to dominate to get the belt. Um, but I think, you know, knowing that, I think if there's close rounds, people are going to lean towards Rose um, just because that's how it goes. And uh, I think it'll be hard to, you know, finish Rose she's good everywhere so it's hard to go against rose right now i do think the odds are probably accurate i think rose wins i wouldn't be surprised if she wins by decision and um 
I don't necessarily see her knocking, you know, knocking out Carla. You know, she's pretty durable. Even when she loses, it's close fights. Like, um, She's only been yeah. finished twice in the UFC, once by uh, Tatiana Suarez with ground and pound with 30 seconds left in the fight. And then obviously once she lost her tire to Yuani and Jacek, which was uh, an accumulative TKO uh, yep. in the standing position. Yep. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with Rose on that one. And um, I, Yeah, I don't even know. I would probably, probably go to a decision. Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough with the girls sometimes because, you know, they're – it's just unpredictable. That, like you see with Rose all the time, right? She finishes Joanna in the first fight, then they go the full 25 minutes. She finishes uh, uh, Wiley Zhang in the first fight, goes the full 25 minutes. She gets finished by Jessica Andrade in the first fight, they go the full 50 minutes in the next fight, right? This is going to be the fourth fighter that she's rematched inside the UFC since she's been in the UFC, which is crazy. You don't normally see a fighter fighting the same fighters over and over again. Um, I, I do want to get your perspective on one thing, though, in terms of Carla's wrestling. It seems to be one of the best inside that division. Uh, Tatiana Suarez will probably have something to say about that, but she's on the the Kane Velasquez route right right now, which is she just can't stay active, right? She's just injury prone pretty much. But uh, the, the, that's pretty much been the main difference with the last fighters that uh, Rose has been fighting, who have mainly been you know striking centric fighters. Uh, Wiley Zhang did try to take grapple heavy approach; she landed five takedowns, but was not able to accumulate much control time on top. Rose was able to you know put her feet on the hips, push her away, and get back to her feet and get back to her bread and butter. Uh, but Carla, man, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for her to get a girl like Carla off of her uh, than, than past opponents. What, what, what do you make of that? What do you think the, the wrestling will have to do in this matchup? You know, I, I got to assume that Rose's team is is preparing for the wrestling. It's like um, her last fight, that girl can strike or wrestle. So it's like you're yeah. kind of getting ready for both. When you know that you're just fighting someone that you know, like 100% their path of victory is to take you down, it's a little bit easier to show up the wrestling in camp because you can spend more time on that stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I do think that, um, Carla will probably get some takedowns, but I, I think it will be hard to hold Rose down. And then once as a wrestler, you get a takedown and they get right back up, it's kind of mentally defeating. And then, you know, it starts to go downhill a little bit in terms of confidence and, um, thinking your ability to win is there. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Carla will utilize wrestling, but I think where Rose knows that that's what she has to do to win, it's a little easier to defend. Uh, I am curious to hear from your perspective, if you were uh, Trevor Whitman, if you were Pat Berry, you know, coaching Rose and Amunas for this fight, knowing that the path to victory for Carla is the wrestling, are you spending like 80% of your camp on the wrestling mats or are you still just sticking with what you do, but try to have a little bit more emphasis on the wrestling? Like, how does it work? Because for me, from a, from a layman's perspective and a lot of people, you think like, okay, if you're going up against a wrestler and your striking's already better and you know that, you don't need to spend as much time, you know, hitting the pads or anything like that. Just put on that singlet day in and day out and just try to shore that up i'd say it's like kind of that 80 20 rule like 80 percent of the time every camp's the same you know 80 okay. of what you're doing is the meat and potatoes you're, you're you're trying to get better you're trying to work on your weaknesses you're trying to sharpen your weapons and then there's that like 20 percent that's tailored towards the the opponent so you're still going to do everything that you would do for someone else but now there's that like one fifth of the time where you're really hyper focused on like the takedown defense and get ups um but you don't want to go and spend 80% of the time just working on takedown defense and get ups because then now you're going to go in there with uh, your duller weapons. You know, you, yeah. you got to keep, you got to go in there with your weapons as strong as they can be, but also really make sure that you're touching upon the areas where you know they're going to be. So, but you know, you can't forget to be yourself in fights too. You know, you can't just think like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it take me down. It's like, yeah, but you still have to do your stuff too. Like if you're only defending takedowns, you're not, 
you know, your offense isn't on point and, you know, your, your timing slow and your, your weapons are dull. Um, you're just making it harder for yourself to win the fight. So I think it's that 80, 20 rule. Like, whereas a big part of that 20% that's tailored towards Carla is going to be take down the fence and, and get ups. I love it. I love it. All right. So we got and still times two for Tyson Chardier here uh, in the main event and co-main event. I love it because all three coaches have different combinations of how they see the main event and co-main event going. So I'm glad that the viewers will be able to get a different perspective on every single fight pretty much. Uh, now comes the fun part of the, the the show. You trying to hold on to that first place spot here. Uh, I'm giving you your hundred bucks. Who are you putting it on for the main card of UFC 274? I'm going my buddy Joe Lozon. You know, it's like I can't call myself a New Englander and not bet on Joe when I'm a I'm an underdog D rider over here and uh, he's at plus one fifty. I have to throw money on my boy Joe. Like he, you know, he lives you know a couple hours away from me. We're good buddies. Um, you know, so it, it'd be I feel like I'd be like a fake a fake Bostonian if I didn't bet on Joe. You know, it's like uh, we only want what's best for that kid. You know, he's. Yeah. I can tell you this, like you know, we we share some. Uh, some of his coaches are some of the, you know, they help coach with some of my guys and uh, obviously me and Joe are friendly. And uh, a lot of my guys go down there and, you know, they'll train on the weekends, guys I manage. He put in a hundred percent camp, man. Like this isn't yeah. like Joe coming out for money or anything like that. Like this is literally like he put in probably like, and I can't comment on the other than his last camp. I saw his last camp compared to camps before that. And it was like, he leveled up. Like he did things differently. Like he went to a strength conditioning coach. He he brought in different coaches. He really like came in and like tried to like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. You know? And um, I think he's even leveled up past that for this camp. You know, he didn't cut any corners in, you know, he did everything that you can do to go out and be someone like Donald Cerrone. And Donald Cerrone is a beast in his own right. You know, he did most of his camp out in Vegas at the PI, but um, I I just don't think they're like they're at the same place in their career where you know yeah. they're at the the tail end. But I I think Cerrone is he's just like at the tail end and he's loving life. He's having fun. He's doing all this stuff. Where you know he's out at the PI and he's he's training. He's not one hundred percent. He's training, but he's also going out and having a bunch of fun. And you know, whereas Joe's like training and then he's going recovering. You know. And um, it's tough when you – who knows? You know, Donald, he's always gotten kind of, you know, overwhelmed in the big fights. So maybe him going out and having more fun and going to concerts and riding his dune buggies and all that stuff is going to make him less nervous going into the fight. I don't know. But um, I just think, like, it, it, it's kind of a pick em fight, and Joe's an underdog, so it makes sense to pick him. But then if they're both kind of at the same point in their career – and one guy's literally like trying to put in the best camp he's ever put in. And the other guy's going in like, you know, trying something new. And, you know, I'm not saying Cowboy isn't putting in the best camp, but I just don't see how he's putting in a better camp than he has in the past compared to what Joe's doing to level up. So, yeah, I got to go with uh, I gotta go with Joe on this one, man. I love it. I love it. And I love that we're getting both perspectives here once again, because right before this, I, I recorded with Cody Donovan and he's saying, yeah, you know, Cowboy looking in the best shape of his career. He's uh, seeing what he's doing over there at the UFC PI. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. You know, it seems to be in a great headspace. You are saying the same thing about Joe Lowe's on here as well. So, yeah, I, I'm getting more excited about that fight than the other fights now, considering the a little bit of the insight that we're getting and how uh, focused and prepared some of these guys look, even though they're near the tail end of their career, like we've been saying, they still want to go out there and put on a good show 
and get that dub at the end of the day, walk home with two paychecks rather than one. Uh, and uh, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing how that goes. So Tyson Chartier ho hoping to hold on to that first spot, uh, going with Joe Lowe's on at plus 150. Love to see that. Uh, Tyson, any parting words here you want to have for the viewers before I let you go? No, man. Just go Jello's on. Have a big weekend. <laughs> There we go. Appreciate the 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 love as always, Tyson. Appreciate you doing the show on a bi-monthly basis. Good luck on the training camp with Calvin Cater. I'll talk to you again in July, hopefully with Cater off of a dub, and we can celebrate a little bit, pop some champagne or something. We'll see. Maybe we'll do something special for that show if Cater comes away with a dub there. But uh, yeah, again, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks, buddy. It's always a treat chopping it up with these coaches and I'm hoping you guys are very much enjoying those breakdowns as well. Shout out once again to James Krause, Cody Donovan and Tyson Chartier for all giving me their time to record and share the breakdowns with you guys as well. All right, now let's get into what all six picks are from every single coach for the main card for the marathon aspect of the show. Cody Donovan and James Krause are both going with Justin Gaethje at plus 150. Eric Nixick and Tyson Chartier are both going with Joe Lozon at plus 150. Santino DeFranco is going with the easy bet here on Michael Chandler at minus 400. Let's see if Tony Ferguson can ruffle those plans for Santino, but I don't blame Santino for taking that shot. And then lastly, Mark Montoya looking to dig himself out of the hole. He's going with the veteran Shogun Hua at plus 200. And that's a wrap on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed all the breakdowns. I appreciate everybody that's been following along with the show. A little bit later of a drop this uh, this time around compared to what we've been usually doing. But I'm hoping to get back to the regular Tuesday drop on pay-per-view fight week for this. So there's more time for you guys to ingest this information and this knowledge that these coaches continue to drop on you. We'll be back in June. I believe it's June 11th is uh, UFC 275. And we'll be having Mark Montoya, Eric Nixick and uh, Santino DeFranco all on to help me break down the uh, the top fights there for that card. So hopefully you guys are back for that one. Good luck on your bets this evening, or this weekend, I should say. And make sure you guys follow and support all the coaches on the show. All their social media links are uh, linked in the description below. Make sure you guys go follow them. Let them know that you guys enjoy them on the show as well. And that will continue uh, wanting them to come back. But they already enjoy it. They already express how much they enjoy doing the show. It's only once uh, every two months that I call upon them to record. So it's not too, uh, too much of an infringement on their time. Appreciate the support as always. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe on the way out. And good luck on your bets this weekend.